Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Get mad at guys like me, sinners. How about get mad at yourself? You're a sinner. It was our sin that did that. But Peter is being very precise in his language here, speaking to all these Gentiles and these Romans by saying, listen, they put him to death by hanging him on a cross. Well, who is the they? Because we thought it was the Jews. Well, it was the Jews, partnered with the Romans. Humanity came together and said, we got to get rid of this guy. And that's what they did. They were guilty of that. We live in a society where rushing things is completely normal. We have busy lives and we're always trying to beat the clock. We want instant satisfaction. But Pastor James reminds us today that one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is to slow down and focus on Jesus. Take time with Him, where you're not stressing about your day or running around trying to accomplish everything. Slow down and remind yourself of what's important, because if your time with God is lacking, so will everything else. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 10 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. I get to show up and, and just sit and listen to somebody else, I mean, I try to make it a point to where it's like, okay, Lord, help me to, especially, and if you've ever taught, you know this deal where you're like doing the thing where you're like, okay, well, I probably wouldn't have said that, or maybe I would have said it like this. I hate that. That's a nightmare inside my brain. But I try to go into listening to messages like, okay, Lord, what do you want from me today? What message do you have for me today? It's the best thing you can do for yourself when you show up on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whenever it may be. If you know the word's going to be taught, the thing that you should do is say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me? Help me to receive that. Essentially, that's what these guys are saying. They're like, okay, so God said that this was going to happen. And so I gather my friends and my family, and we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given to you. So go. Teach. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. It's amazing. And here's Peter is like, mm, okay, what message? What do I got in my back pocket? I got all these sermon outlines. No, he doesn't have any of that stuff. In fact, the message he's going to deliver to them is the same message he's taught multiple times through the book of Acts. And it still works today. If you don't know what to say, take notes on this next part, okay? So he goes, verse 34, Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism obviously, okay, which is good news for all of us. God doesn't play favorites. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. His salvation, his hand of salvation, his arm of salvation extends to anybody and everybody. What does it take? Does this mean like, well, if you just fear God and you do good works and that, no, no, listen, he's going to narrow it down to where it's like, there is one way and it's Jesus. But you need to understand that, man, there are individuals across this globe that, that fear God, that love the Lord, and they're doing good works, and salvation is extended to anybody and everybody. It's the whosoever's of the world. But he says, I, I see God doesn't play favorites, and man, this, this great gospel message has been extended and open for everybody. Verse 36, it says, this message of good news for the people of Israel, 
that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, you know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John, that's John the Baptist, began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That You can go back into John chapter 3. Well, I mean, John chapter 1, the first part of John there, and then all the Gospels have the account of Jesus being baptized, coming up, Holy Spirit descending upon him. But Peter chooses to start there, okay, with the ministry of Jesus, so to speak, with the baptism. With holy, baptized by the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit and power, and then Jesus went around doing good. This is continuing on there in verse uh, 38. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, verse 39. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. This is interesting. Why would he phrase it that way? And it was commonly known in this day and age, if the Jews were going to kill someone, capital punishment, they only did it through stoning. But if the Romans were going to kill somebody, capital punishment, they were going to do it by crucifixion. So what Peter is doing is saying, listen, there's no one group to blame. We're all guilty. Jews, Gentiles. Jesus ended up on that cross because of our sins. So you want to get mad at the Jews? You can't. You want to get mad at the Romans? You can't. Who do I get mad at? Get mad at sin. How about you get mad at, well, get mad at guys like me, sinners. How about get mad at yourself? You're a sinner. Um, it was our sin that did that. But Peter is being very precise in his language here, speaking to all these Gentiles and these Romans by saying, listen, they put him to death by hanging him on a cross. Well, who is the they? Because we thought it was the Jews. Well, it was the Jews, partnered with the Romans. Humanity came together and said, we got to get rid of this guy. And that's what they did. They were guilty of that. So he knows his audience. He's speaking to these guys. They hang him on a cross. Verse 40, but God, there's the other thing, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. And we know that that was some, um, how many hundreds of witnesses? I mean, God had selected individuals that were going to see the resurrected Jesus, and more specifically, these apostles who were going to have breakfast with resurrected Jesus um, days after he, he rose from the grave, okay? But there was, there was only a select group that God's like, listen, he's going to show up to you guys. And then you're going to take that message and you go and make disciples. It says, we were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God, Yeshua, to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. Verse 43, he is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone, everyone, or whosoever, Everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. So he's preaching now. He's giving it to him. the gospel. Boom, here he is, like Jesus, baptized by John. Holy Spirit fell on him, and he's going around doing all these amazing things. He's demonstrating the fact that, yes, he is the Messiah. And he gets to this point where he's like, listen, and, and the prophets of old testified about this, that anybody who believes in his name, places their faith and their trust in Jesus can be forgiven of all their sins. And it's almost like he's getting, you, know, you can feel like him. Mean, he's getting warmed up and he's getting like, you know, he's just, he's comfortable now and he's just giving it to him. And then the craziest thing happens. The Holy Spirit interrupts him. The Holy Spirit just 
interrupts them beautifully and perfectly. And so this is another good thing for you to know. If you're out sharing the gospel with somebody and the Holy Spirit interrupts you, just let them. Just let them. You may have your thing, like, okay, I got to go through these pages. So I'm reading through these pages. Okay, let me share this with you. And then I got this paragraph. Then I got one more paragraph. And the person's like, oh, oh, can can I just get saved right now? Well, I haven't done the last paragraph. So if you just wait, let me do my thing. Um, then yeah, I'll lead you. Yeah, no, no, that's nonsense. That's nonsense, right? That's when you hopefully recognize like, you know what? I'll just throw this thing away. Yeah, let's pray right now, okay? The Spirit has the freedom to move and to interrupt whenever He wants to in our lives. So that could be in the midst of a conversation you're having with somebody. That can be in the midst of a Sunday service. If He wants to interrupt, He can do it. Why? Because this is His thing. This is His and he can do whatever he wants. And there's Peter preaching to a house full of Gentiles. And he says, he makes this crazy gospel statement that if you believe in Jesus and you surrender your life to Jesus, all of your sins are forgiven. And the Holy Spirit, boom, hits that room like crazy. It says, Verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. So what's happening in the heart of the hearer? This is what's beautiful. They hear this gospel, and it registers in their heart. And in their heart, they say, yes, I believe that. I receive that. Done. That's all the Lord needs. Notice this. Peter does not have to lead them through a prayer. He doesn't do that. Peter doesn't even do an altar call. It's not necessary. Churches do that, but it's not necessary. Will we ever do that? Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to a point where we do that, if that's what the Spirit wants. We have to understand, and we need to be comfortable with this, is that the Spirit can transform and change a life right where the individual is sitting without even saying a word. That's how he does it sometimes. You got a whole house that gets saved Simply because Peter is communicating the gospel to them. He just shares the gospel, the good news. Jesus died for your sins. And they said, I'll take that. And the only one who's really important in this story, so to speak, is the Holy Spirit. And he says, done. (laughs) Boom, done. Now I'm going to fall on you. I'm going to fill you. Crazy. Crazy. This messes up church. This messes up how we do stuff, right? You're like, no, we can't. No, this is the best way. Just let the Lord do what he wants to do. Will he do that? How many, how, we don't even know how many people he has done that within our church experience, right? I mean, and I come from a church where, listen, I, Pastor Bill is my hero. And Bill is given altar calls all the time, and it's beautiful. But what we know and what he knows too is not everybody that comes forward, they're not the only ones getting saved in the room. Because there's a lot of people that don't stand up. There's a lot of people that don't raise their hand. There's a lot of people that don't go forward. And they're stuck in that seat because the Holy Spirit is just messing with them right then and there. If you do have that experience, we're going to see that here. There should be some sort of follow-up, okay? You can't just keep it private. That's not how it works, okay? So if that has happened to you, by all means, express it. You should let people know. Like, you know what? Man, sitting in this message, and he said this about Jesus, and I don't know what it was, but I just said, yeah, that's, man, Lord, I want that. I want that. That's kind of how I got saved. 
I didn't have anybody preaching to me. I had the Holy Spirit convict me, and I was reading through the Bible, and I came to the point where the Lord convicted me and said, listen, I, I died on the cross for your sins. Do you believe that? And I said, I, I do believe that. I absolutely believe that. And that was it for me. Nobody was around. Nobody was present. But what I did next is what these guys did next, and I didn't even know this story. But for me, it was, a very, it was just me and the Lord. Jesus showed up, so to speak, in my little apartment in Colorado, and he says, hey, I died on a cross for you. You believe it or not? I'm in. I believe it. I believe it. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. So that was it for me. And for this group, as the Holy Spirit falls on them, just like he did in Acts chapter 2 for the Jews, same kind of setup here. It says he poured out on the Gentile, he, he fell upon all those who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers, the witnesses that Peter brought, verse 45, who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. See, this is why you bring the witnesses. Because Peter's going to get questioned about this. But he's like, got witnesses, people that understood what happened back in Acts chapter 2. And they're all seeing that, man, the Holy Spirit is pouring out on these guys just like he did on us. It had been poured out on the Gentiles too, verse 46, for they had heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. And that's the key with tongues. It should always be to the praise of God. Is there a place for tongues in the life of a Christian? Yes, there is. What about a corporate gathering? Well, if there's an interpretation, then sure. Everything should be done decently and orderly. But it all should be directed towards praise to God. Now, if you're getting up to, to share a tongue and there's no interpretation, or if it's more about you than it is about God, then, well, we're not doing it right. We're not doing it right. Tongues, it has its place. It has its place. Do I understand it? No, I don't. Not at all. Have I ever spoken in a tongue? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I know this about tongues. If you have spoken in tongues, it should always be to the praise of God, not to bring attention to yourself. And I don't think you can learn to speak tongues either. I know there's lessons on that. I don't believe in that. I think that's from the Lord. So that's my own opinion. That might be one of these things, these open-handed issues. So I don't know. Take that as your way. But um, can you speak in tongues? Sure. It's between you and the Lord, though. If it happens in a corporate setting, we just need an interpretation. So what? So we can all praise God together for what he, for what he spoke. That's it. These guys, they're speaking in tongues. The Jews... They're witnesses of this, and they understand what they're saying. And they understand that these guys are praising God. It's that simple. And they're all blown away by it. Then Peter, looking around at this, is like, man, I had this whole sermon I had written out. Like, what's going on? And he, no, he's a smart enough guy to where he's like, you know what? We should do something about this. We should do something about this. What should we do? Let's get them all baptized. Let's get them baptized, which is another crazy thing. Because Gentiles could get baptized, but that's only if you were converting to Judaism, which means you needed to get circumcised too, which is uh, scary, especially as you're a grown man. You're like, no, wait, I got to wait, do what to sign up for this thing? Pass. Um, well, you can get baptized and you can go through all the rituals and stuff like that. What's happening here is there's no like, the circumcision has happened, but it's happened in their hearts where it matters the most. And now they're going to display publicly what has just happened within their hearts. Because like I said, you might surrender to Jesus 
all on your own with nobody watching or nobody knowing or without standing up or coming forward to an altar call or anything like that. It's what you do next, okay? It's what you do next with that. And here's what they're going to do. Peter stands up and he's like, can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit, just as we did. So they received the gospel. They accepted Jesus. They received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit falls on them. And so Peter is just logically thinking through this. He's like, okay, so they're saved. They're going to fill with the Holy Spirit. Let's get these guys baptized. And that's what they do. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, not religion, in the name of Jesus, in, in, in a display of relationship. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. That's so cool. Here's this Roman, this leader in the Roman army, guy who's over 100 men. He's one of like the most qualified Roman soldiers around at that day. He says, you know what, Peter? Would you mind just hanging out at our house for a while? What's, so what's going to happen in the meantime? Well, Peter is probably going to disciple these guys. He's like, yeah, I'll hang out. Let's do some Bible studies. There's more you need to know. You know what you need to know. You know about Jesus. You know about a sacrifice. The Holy Spirit has fallen on you. You just did baptism. Baptism is a public display of your relationship to Jesus. That's what it is. Should Christians be baptized? Absolutely. Of course, you should. You believe in Jesus? Yeah. You share that publicly? Well, I haven't yet. Well, go get baptized. Go get baptized. Let the world know. It doesn't matter who's there. We've done it at the beach several times. We do it a lot at the beach. Now, if you want to get baptized, we got a tub. Uh, we'll do that. But um, that's up to you. That's your call. Uh, it's a relation. It's displaying a relationship, a commitment to Jesus. It's saying, I am not, a, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of Jesus, and I will stand before you, and I will let you know I am following him. The old me is going down, staying down. The new me is coming up. It's symbolic of this new life in Christ. This is what I did when I got saved. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I don't even know what the book of Acts is. I had no clue. If you asked me to, if the Acts was a book in the Bible, I would say, I don't know. I don't think so. What's Acts? I know theater. I know an act, like Act 1, Act 2. I know that type of stuff. Do you know about Cornelius? I don't know who Cornelius is. I don't know what a Gentile is. I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff. But I got saved, and immediately there was this thing inside of me. And I don't know what it was, but I was like, man, I need to get baptized. I need to get baptized. Do I know what baptism is? No, I don't. I think I got baptized as a little kid to vacation Bible school. Here's my motives. It was probably in a swimming pool, and I wanted to be in the swimming pool. Okay, I'm just going to be real with you. Um, listen, a lot of my motives before Christ were very impure, I'm sure, okay? My reason for going to Bible college was Southern California, and I hear there's a lot of girls out there, okay? So that's why I went to Bible college. I'm just being honest with you. I didn't know what Bible college was, but I knew it was Southern California, and they had you know, a beach with a really cool ocean and lots of waves, okay, and girls. And I found a girl out there. Uh, so... Uh, I didn't know, but all I knew was like, man, the Lord put this thing on me, and I was like, this has to happen, this has to happen. And so I got back to Amarillo as quick as I could, and I told Pastor Bill, I said, listen, I need to get baptized. I need to get baptized. And so he's like, okay, sweet, we'll do it on a Wednesday night. I had one of my older brothers do it, just because he had a pretty 
significant role in, in leading me to the Lord, kind of planting those seeds for me, as, as Pastor Bill did as well. But So I stood before a whole congregation, and I don't know what I was doing, but all I knew was this, Jesus is, is, has saved me, and I'm going to follow him wherever, and I don't care who knows. And they dunked me, and they brought me back up. And it was just, I mean, that's what I had to do. I had to do it. I can't explain it any other way. Is, is baptism necessary for salvation? No, it's not. It's not, but you're not dead, and you still have time. And if you haven't done it, you should probably do it. Why? To be a witness, to be a witness. I, I've done baptisms for hundreds of people. And the coolest thing is when they'll bring all their friends and family, like Cornelius, to church on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, and they want people, they'll never show up to church, but they will show up to watch somebody get baptized. What a witness. What a tremendous witness. It's a beautiful thing. Peter and, and the, the guys that he brought with him, they're, I mean, they're just dunking people, family members and friends, all these people that got saved, and they're doing it out probably in public so that everybody can see this crazy thing that's happening right now. Why are these Jews working together with these Gentiles? This isn't supposed to happen. The game's changed. So this was like the moment where the doors have blown, are blown off and the gospel is going to go forward for the Gentiles. But this story, as beautiful and as awesome as it is, and it is, is going to get Peter in trouble. <laughs> it's going to get him in trouble. Of course. Of course it does. You follow the Lord. You follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And usually the only ones who have issues with that are church people. Right? Isn't that funny? Isn't that how that works? Where you're like, I was just doing what God told me to do. It's usually the church people who have issues with that. And it's sad. Now, if it's legitimate concern, that's one thing. Like, if I bring in snakes and we're handling snakes and all that stuff, hopefully that doesn't, you're not one of those guys. But, like, you know, we don't do that. There's no place for that. Okay? And you would have every right to question, like, well, I don't think this is right. Um, but if we just, show up and say, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to, we're going to worship Jesus. We're going to teach through his word. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. There shouldn't be any problems with that. There shouldn't be any problems with that. But read ahead. Here's your homework. Read ahead. Read chapter 11. And here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice the first question that comes out of the people's mouths concerning Peter. Because that's an indication of where their heart is. What are they most concerned about when they meet with Peter? That's your homework. Find out what that is. Because it, it, their heart is, is, is thrown open, exposed to us as readers as to what they were most concerned about. And that's a danger for each and every one of us. Application abounds within this chapter. So what, what I would say to you is this. You can be like Peter, be led by the Holy Spirit, let him guide and direct your steps. And when he says to, to show up somewhere and to deliver a message, then do that. You can be like Cornelius, who is led and directed by the Holy Spirit to open up his home. And he gathers all his friends and families to what? To hear the word of God. The whole point of this, this chapter is Jesus and his word. So whatever end you feel like you need to be a part of, whether it's delivering the word or gathering up people to hear the word, there you go. That's your personal application to take away with, Okay. So pick which one. You want to stand in front of people and talk? You're like, no way. Top three fears of humans. One of those is public speaking. So, okay, so then gather the people. So then gather the people. 
Where you gather them? Well, at your house. Gather them here if you want to. Figure it out. But just make sure you're gathering because of Jesus and for his word. That's all we have time for today at Bread for the Broken. But we're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James continues through the book of Acts. This book is a powerful representation of how the church first began. It contains a variety of snapshots into effective ways of sharing the gospel. Some apostles shared in large groups, while others taught in more intimate settings. Some taught the gospel through words, and others shared through signs and wonders. Do you wrestle with sharing who Jesus is? Be encouraged. As long as you're teaching the hope and truth of Jesus, there is no wrong way. If you'd like prayer in this area, we would love to pray for you. Visit breadforthebroken.com, click on the contact tab, and let us know how we can be praying. If you'd like to listen to more teachings like this, you can find them too when you visit breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the teachings tab. You'll also be able to learn more about Calvary Galveston at our website, as well as find directions to our location. Calvary Galveston is a church of ordinary people seeking to live as Jesus did. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. So if you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to meet you. Our atmosphere is relaxed, so just come as you are. You can find out more and get directions on our website. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for listening to Pastor James's teaching today. Know that we're praying for you, and we hope you'll join us to continue digging into the book of Acts next time on Bread for the Broken.